Hello and welcome back to the Comic Lyra podcast, the podcast that does deep dives into the best of comic books, graphic novels, mangas, and I think I might need to change that because I realized the other day we don't always do the best of these things. <laughs> so we might maybe the best and worst, but then I don't want to I don't want to guarantee that we do extremes because sometimes we do stuff in the middle. This is a longer intro than we normally do. So, so. what if we stick it out until the cheers and jeers of the year? Right. right, and then one of the jeers of the year can be the intro, and we can we can workshop a new intro sure. in our in, in our, our best round and worst, yeah, yeah, in our best and worst. We the intro some, can be one of the worst. We do some podcast admin for everyone to hear. Yeah, why peek, not? Peek behind the curtain. There's a special treat. People fucking love that shit. Yeah, yeah. Behind like, the you'd scenes, you'd be amazed. I mean, like, have you seen what's pop? So, for for those of you who don't know, we have a TikTok, right? We do, and I've been making TikToks. Yes. And there is a woman, I, I assume they're a woman, there is a person who has femme-looking hands. There's a person on TikTok whose entire TikTok is they have a little box with a bunch of sand in it, right? And then people pay them pay them money to write their name in the sand. And they write their name in the sand and they have a little brush thing, like, you know, Japanese, like, feng shui gardening. Right. And they go, ksh, ksh, rub the name out, and then they're like, the next name. And they just go, thank you, Sam, and write Sam, and then go, ksh, ksh, thank you, Tiffany. And like people in their droves go on TikTok to watch that live. Are you suggesting we do the same, but it's just like an hour podcast and we just read people's names? Mate, I mean... Because we could just get one of those baby books, do all the names. <laughs> and then when someone pays, we're like, file, locate, Adam, there, he, there you go, mate. You, no, I don't think you can automate. I think it has to be genuine. A personalized message each time. Well, yeah. maybe. Uh, for anyone who might... This might be their first episode. I uh, should also mention that I'm your host, soon to be known as Comic Stan, and with me, as always, is my cosmic co-host. It's Jamie. I'll take cosmic. Mm. And I had to look up the meaning because I, I just had a vague, like I knew cosmic. <laughs> it's one Did of those you go things on like dictionary.com. I mean, uh, oh Google, but it's one of those things. that's like uh, irony. Like you know what it is, but if someone asks you to define it, you might be a bit like, hmm. I actually have to it's think like about that. Ten thousand spoons when all you need is a knife. No, you're like, no, Alanis Morissette. That's not ironic. Absolutely not. It's really unfortunate. So looking at it just to see if it matched or not, because you know we're we're factual podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. Relating to the universal cosmos, especially as distinct from the Earth. And I yeah. thought, well, you yeah, know, maybe. But then uh, uh, the other one was like, just great. So, you know, like cosmic, like, wow, cosmic, like great vastness, that kind of thing. Yeah. Now I thought, well, if we take great, then I'll say you're great. Oh. Because it's a lot kinder than cosmic. Calling, than, well, I was going to say, than calling you vast. Which yeah. is the other one. I mean, I'll take Vast as well. I'm a but big that sounds a bit like a like a Neil deGrasse Tyson Yo Mama joke. Like <laughs> Yo Mama so vast, she's cosmic. <laughs> Your Mama so vast, she's expanding faster than the universe. Yeah, yeah, um, that could be one. So I do have a quick bit of admin that we need to get in here. Okay, and I had a write in. Oh wow! Um, so a listener said. I sent us a message saying, I've seen the new podcast. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the first Scott Pilgrim one, which is cool. Like, clearly they weren't Making listening. them listen to previous episodes. That's very smart. But then further down that message, they clearly had had a listen. And they said, in reference to your Scott Pilgrim podcast, I also get a steak, bake and a sausage roll like a big boy. Now, <laughs> I don't remember. Clearly, at some point, we must have talked about our Greg's order. But I don't remember this. And so that message just came to me out of context. And it honestly made my day. I say, as an avid uh, banter podcast fan, there will be a thing where 
like I'll hear it on podcasts I listen to where someone writes in with an inside joke from like years ago and they go I have absolutely no idea of this is this person mental but it's the first time it's happened to me do you remember what we were talking about Uh, obviously not (laughs) I was like 40 episodes ago I because like I do get a sausage roll what do you get from Greg's we're doing it again, guys. We're going over old tangents. I was just, just saying, we haven't run out of bits just yet where we have to start <laughs> recycling old material. Well, I want to know which of us, because I get a sausage roll and a steak bake. Do you get the same thing as well? No, I, I normally go for the uh, the the bacon and cheese turnover, something That's like that. That's fire. They're really, yeah. I've, I've recently been turned on to those. I They're don't do Greg's good. often. So I'm like, uh, if I'm going to do it, I'm going like the, the highest flavor profile. Yeah, give know. me bacon like, and cheese. A good sausage roll has got to be like a homemade one, like, you know, mm. proper nice pastry and nothing against greg's but like it doesn't be homemade like a yeah. fresh homemade sausage roll which i cannot make so it's only when other people make them that i oh get to enjoy god, it god the bakery around the corner from me man mm. they do this is so this has become very parochial <laughs> i'll take your word on it um the the bakery around the corner from me do a pork and stuffing sausage roll right no sorry it's a pork and apple stuffing sausage roll nice and it has like black sesame seeds sprinkled over the top of the pastry and it is fire um i won't i, I won't actually call the bakery out for fear of people turning <laughs> up to my house being absolutely swarmed by comic book <laughs> comic book fans from across the land eating all of the pork and apple i mean that'd be the worst rolls. part yeah we might as well start practicing this for when we inevitably become local celebrities yes yeah. absolutely so in relation to the cosmic <laughs> reference <laughs> this podcast has heretofore been all tangent i mean like a lot of them are like, yeah, we're only like it, five minutes it in happens. so it's yeah no big deal but we are covering a title this week called the cosmic detective which was one of those ones that looked interesting and isn't quite a big tie-in or anything so hope you know i thought just an interesting one to have a look at there have been some of our, our most fun episodes yep also an image title, image being the biggest kind of third party uh, publisher to Marvel and yeah, DC. Yeah, people know who image are now. We've yeah, talked I about mean, image enough. Immediately off the bat, Walking Dead uh, yeah. saga, like yeah. some of the greatest comic books of all time. So they're always worth, if it's a, the problem is they do so many comics, which is yes. great. And they do so many different kinds of comics. Yeah. So on the one hand, it's like, well, it's made by image. But on the other hand, it's like, a lot of them are made by image. So it's yeah. a guarantee of quality, but at the very least, it's a guarantee of, I think, you'll have something interesting there to talk about or to read or whatever. Yeah, I think so. And just the title alone, like Cosmic Detective, sounds quite interesting. So yes. I think when I posted to you, you kind of, on the title alone, just went, yeah, all right. Like, yeah, I'm into that. That's have, cool. Let's have a look at it. So uh, immediate thoughts, or do you want me to go? Do you want me to list some of the the credits, as it were? I think we should list the credits. I mean, I I think I think you should talk a little bit about the plot as well. Like, you know, it's, you should maybe you should say what the plot is this time. Is yeah, that, maybe that... you should do that today because I do a lot of that, and I've had a long day. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, this is a title that was co-written, uh, an unusual one for us, uh, by Jeff Lemire and Matt. I can say kind. It's kind with a T on the end. So kind or kind? Yeah, I think it's kint. Once again, demonstrating that I am able to butcher names from across the globe. Even well, once German, I believe. It sounds a bit German, doesn't it? Yeah, but Mr. Kant, yeah. We, we might be wrong. But that was a very xenophobic German accent, but we're going to stick it. It was one it. of the five. Like, there's like five German accents. It was one of them, wasn't it? What are the other four? 
there was a comedian's bit about like the different types and he goes from like shouting to like seductive like seductive german yeah. sounds like i think he described as like it's a it's a very stereotypical german accent but it's the one i think sounds like your genitals are being bathed by uh by someone nearby it's like like, yeah, that. yeah, that kind of. <laughs> Your genitals are being bathed by somebody nearby. <laughs> Not close, just nearby. <laughs> That's. Oh, if we ever make a T-shirt, Ryan. I mean, we got to start with "Back to the Comic" is the first one, isn't it? Or I'm a fucking wizard. Yes, but with the comic swearing censorship yes. for obvious yes. reasons. Um, but so. Of those, I recognise the name Jeff Lemire. He's, yeah, he's named. I think if you're into comics, you have like like me. Unless you already know him and know his work, he's like a name that you hear in the kind of you know nearby, like oh Jeff Lemire, like you just hear the name a lot. Is when he it comes the guy to washing your genitals? Uh, nearby, yes. <laughs> so what's interesting is I did have to look him up to see like what do I actually know him from? Yes. And as soon as I looked him up, I was like, right, he's very, he's very Marvel, very DC. Like he's done a bit of both, like not anything huge. But the biggest thing that stuck out to me, and I think it will to you, is he was actually the writer of Old Man Logan. Which we both liked. Yes, we which both liked it. became the basis for the Logan film that right, came okay. out. So he's had his influence on the the Marvel cinema, well, not the cinematic universe, but the Fox X Men ones. Uh, he also wrote a comic called Sweet Tooth, not one I've, I've read, but I have heard of it mainly because it got a Netflix adaptation. So I'm it must be good. Pretty sure you and I have talked about it on air. I've not read it, so if I've talked about it, it's how I've not read it. Yeah, I assume unless I've read it and forgotten it, which would be you know, as a comic book fan. Like the cardinal sin, I mean, like probably standard. Actually, I can't imagine you can remember every comic book you've read. We have to have encyclopedic knowledge so that when we have a when we have an argument about who would win in a fight, you go, "Well, actually, in issue one hundred and one of the yeah, yeah, well, yeah, the I third suppose. volume, he did this actually, so he would win." You know, you gotta have that ready to go. Jesus, if you want to survive in the in this realm, the dog eat dog world of comic exactly. book enjoyers. He also did. He also did one that I have read and enjoyed. Uh, we haven't talked about, it, but it's one called Black Hammer. It's a very interesting superhero pastiche, not quite parody, but like a kind of homage and so sense of invincible. To me about Black Hammer, probably. I probably I might have mentioned it at some point, but it's an interesting one. We may or may not do that down the line. It's one of those titles I wouldn't be surprised if it gets an adaptation in one form or another. Cool. So yeah, so he's written some done fairly well regarded stuff. Exactly, Matt Kind. I've not heard of, but he is credited. Uh, with the title called Bang and Mind Management, which I've heard are very good ones. So German. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Do you want to look it up? You wrote something in 2019 that looks quite interesting called Folklords. They're probably both pretty good, like pre-established writers. Yeah, he's not German, he's American. I mean, the Americans, as I said, they've got all the, the names from everywhere else, and then they, they're the, the cultural melting pot. We also have Drawn, Coloured, and Lettered by David Rubin. So interesting, like, grouping of, uh, of roles. Yeah. But here's what I found uh, quite interesting, which I thought we could do a little tangent on. We have a credit on the first page of Flatting by... So that's what we're going to end to. Uh, flatting by... Uh, I, <laughs> the names are hard this week. I do not know how to pronounce this one. It's... <laughs> and I, I think I'll butcher if I attempt it, but it's spelled Julia, but instead of a J, it's an X. Uh, yeah. So Zulia potentially Python uh, with uh, Kiki J Diaz. So they were the flatters for the comic, which I've never heard of until now. <laughs> What's flatting? So flatting. I thought you might 
uh, appreciate this actually. The flatting is, is so it's a kind of technical role in yeah. our comic book printing. So what it is is when you get the the draw, so the lines. Once the lines are done, yeah, uh, you then give it. And I don't know if all comics do this or whether this is just one of the few where they've actually bothered to credit the flatters. But what they do is they get the line work to the flatters. The flatters will then fill in parts, sometimes going over the line somewhat with some muted colors. So sometimes uh... they'll do certain kinds of colors, or sometimes they'll use the was it the RG b or rgy set you know the, yeah, the yeah, basic yeah. colors red, red rby red blue yellow yeah. no red oh my god i did know this i think it's red blue yellow right so what they do is they'll arrange the kind of sections of the comic down to like say the head separate from like the torso and like those kind of things right they'll set them out in these colors the colors themselves are kind of not as important uh, they're only really specific to what the colorist wants to work with or what they prefer to work with then once they've flattened it uh, they will then get it to the colorist. So the colorist can use software to basically use the magic wand tool so they can select a section of the page and focus on that oh. for, for like coloring and specifically rendering. It's yeah. so like adding the details. So literally it's, it's technical work because they're just kind of taking the line work going, right, color here, color here, color here, like get it ready. It's like prepping for the colorist. Right, okay. And the reason I thought it was interesting is because I was like, what's flatting? And when I found yeah. out, I went into a little bit of rabbit hole of, the relationship between the colorist and the flatter. Apparently, a lot of colorists swear by who, the flatter they use. Right. Like, like flatter, flatting is mostly freelance work, yeah. but that's because colorists, once they find a good flatter or one that suits them, they'll stick with them. And like, they'll take them wherever they go, whatever they do. Exactly. And it's it, and not even need to take them because they obviously just commission them themselves. Yeah. Like, can you flatten this page for me? So... Um, I thought that was interesting because imagine colorists having these flatters. It's almost like a kind of like person behind the scenes who's always working on these like potentially huge titles, like very famous titles, and not really getting credited. Mm. But even though I said it might not be the most creative of contributions towards the comic, but because how bad, how much the colorist seems to be relying on their flattings, it, that's there's been a conversation recently about crediting them or not. Um, so this these guys were ahead of the curve then. Uh, possibly they credited their flatters i uh, when i looked up i did see some notable flatter flatters so people who are like known within the industry as yeah. like the best some of the best flatters and i didn't recognize the names so, so it's, it sounds like a derogatory term for flat earth yeah believers. it does doesn't it also have you have i ever talked to you about semantic satiation you might have but if i don't remember that's not on me semantic satiation is where you say a word so many times that it loses all meaning now flatten and flatter have lost all of their meaning. <laughs> I mean, their traditional traditional meaning for sure. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think we use like, oh, give that a good, uh, give that a good flattening, can you? Like, doesn't sound right, does it? Well, it's just no. Physically, the word has just stopped sounding like a word, and it's just yeah. started sounding like noise in my brain, which is fun. I mean, kind of how words work as well, isn't it? That's the the magic of words. Magic of words. I mean, it's the comic lyric podcast. You're so. on form today, mate. <laughs> just nothing but nothing but hits. Nothing man. but net. <laughs> Nothing but net, Kobe. <laughs> and I think this comic, when we because we normally do start on the art, is a very it's the type of art that lends itself to like we are credited our flatter for doing this much work because it's such a visually striking comic. So the art I'm in two minds about because generally I liked it, but there was some jank. But then did you spot the jank? Here's the thing: I trying to think how to word this best. I don't think I spotted it, not because it wasn't there or because I disagree, but more because like it, it, the style was like 
with the jank. Like, I think, like, everything that was going on, like, a bit being out of proportion for everything, from contextually what's happening in it. Yes. It, it just kind of melded all together. So I don't, like, begrudge it for being janky, if that makes sense. So, I'm going to show you some jank. Sure. Yeah. Notably, because this is all three panels that come directly after each other, his eyes change colour three different times in one scene. I'm going to say I think that is part of the style. I think that is intentional. Also, they Voldemorted him. After he got the yeah. beating, his nose disappeared. And when you look at it really carefully, you can see that it's just been broken, but it doesn't read very well. And so, yeah, the, the art itself is very pretty and very enjoyable, but there is a lot of jank happening. But I think part of the jank is is in support of the style for do you think it's stylistic jank i think it is yeah i think <laughs> and i'm not defending it like like the spider-man one where obviously we argued about you know <laughs> what you just like, you, your brain just wasn't ready to see jank yet though like that that yeah. was just like that was early on in our journey wasn't it of of this deep criticism of art or critical review of art for sure yeah i think in this instance like i agree with you like the points you made but i don't think i don't hold it as a negative to it i think it's part and part of the whole style yeah, maybe. I mean, I just kind of... There were some panels that were really highly rendered, and then there were some that weren't, and I kind of felt a bit that those transitions were sometimes a bit jarring. What I did really like is, obviously, there's a lot of, like, going through portals and stuff, uh, where he, like, you know, he opens the boot of his car, and there's this portal, and he goes through it, and he's in a different place. I really loved the sense of colour that they used there. I really, I really loved the colouring choices. Like, the colourist mm. really pulled their weight. I, the colour, I think, was probably one of my favourite aspects of the entire comic. Just, like, looking at the pages and even when you're not looking at the details, just the such interesting colour choices. And it always, it always carried a mood of, like, something's not quite right, mm. but it's aesthetically very pleasing. Like, that kind of mix. What were we reading recently? It was the Five Nights at Freddy comic where they just stuck character models on white backgrounds. Yeah, literally just didn't do the background for a panel. And this is the exact opposite of that, where... There's too much background. No, 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 no. No, the backgrounds are great. Like, the backgrounds are fine. I, in fact, the backgrounds are probably my favourite bit about the art, as I've just said, like the portals and stuff. What I mean is that even though I didn't necessarily always like the art, and I didn't like that the art style wasn't super consistent, it was always very rich. Yeah. Like, it was kind of sumptuous, almost a bit chewy. Like, <laughs> that's a weird way of talking about it. I think that there was a lot of detail in kind of the messy, like like intentionally messy parts. Yeah, and then when there's just two characters talking, it, they kind of step back a bit. Mm. I think it did kind of, it used that, again, that jankiness to kind of whatever the context of the of what was happening at the time. Yeah. So like when it was kind of him and his family, there's like a bit of jankiness because you're, I think you notice it more because it's in a more realistic setting, yeah. but you're never, you're never fully away from the, the weirdness, the contextual weirdness of the story. Yeah. So there's, we, I mean, there's heavy surrealism here, isn't there? So even when you're in those like normal moments, I'm doing air quotes, normal, there's still that feeling of, I think the jankiness kind of reminds you like, we're not out of the woods. Like mm. this is the most normal part, but there's that under the surface, there's, like all this sur uh, surrealness waiting to yes. burst out yeah, yeah yeah and i think for me that's kind of i'm i'm only just now kind of articulating like why i was fine with that because as soon as yeah. you said jank i was immediately like yes i like, agree but yeah it, it i think that's the reason for me or at least that's what it did for me i mean i think the main thing was those three panels where his eyes were three different shapes and three different designs so there was one where his eyes were just completely white with no pupils 
The next one, he had dot pupils. The third one, he had fully rendered green eyes. Hmm. And you just kind of go, there's no stylistic reason for this to happen. Nothing weird's happening here. He's just having a normal conversation with his colleague. And yet we get three, three differently proportioned faces with three different sets of eyes. Why? Yeah, I think we're kind of switching around here a little bit. Maybe specifically in terms of the art, because I, th- I feel like you're kind of approaching this more literally than I am. Or yes. attempting a read more. So for me, and this was kind of part and part of the story, I kind of took like a very kind of, how literal are we reading this? Like I was trying to make that determination because it's so important to me in my reading normally. I had to make that decision early on. Yeah. And when I kind of early on decided we're not that, we're not treating it that literal. We're kind of going along for the ride, but mm. we're not, it's not like there could be a plot hole because you can't do that. This isn't that world. So as soon as, <laughs> as soon as I established that inconsistencies became just far less important to me. Cause I was like, that's the style. Like we're, well, we're I not think, here for consistency. I think inconsistency in story is one thing. And I think they're being inconsistent, like a measured inconsistency in art style between two different dimensions or universes or whatever he's traveling between. And they, they never really make it clear. But if he's having one conversation in a static location with the same character and his eyes look different in all three panels, that to me is just bad comic book art, See, unfortunately. I, I, for me, it just feels like this is the entire story is a kind of dreamlike state. So if those little changes, for me, are just kind of reinforcing the mood, which I think is meant to be consistent throughout the whole thing. Mm. Whether you're in the normal parts or the, the surreal parts, I think there's always that undercurrent of like, is this real? Like from the very start, there's like inconsistencies in, I think, I think the style is inconsistent from the start. And I think what you've pinpointed is like a part where in another comic, this would be a very cardinal sin of, of art. And I think for me, this is, again, it's contextual with the style. Um, trying to go around in circles, but like, I, I feel like the whole thing is meant to be like this. And I think you've noticed it in where traditionally the, com- the art would have to be consistent because as you say, it's a view back and forth. Yeah. And I think I think it's a knowing choice. And again, we like I that's just my subjective take. And you might be like more people might agree with you on reading this. So I'm not saying like objectively yes or no. I mean, I am the voice of the common man, Ryan. Yes, you are the <laughs> the common man with a bookshelf full of books. <laughs> and a vintage guitar collection and a stack of old vinyl. Exactly. <laughs> Real working class. Uh, Currently twirling his mustache. Yes. <laughs> but I think from my... In a suit. In a suit. Ridiculous. What a ridiculous figure I am. <laughs> Sorry. At least you're self-aware. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I feel like, yeah, this for me, subjectively, it just was part of the style. And yeah. and I enjoyed it for more because, again, it never... It always carried, it always carried this feeling of... What's going to happen next? Is everything oh. going to start bursting out and going crazy? So when the thing's inconsistent in those quieter moments, there's always that feeling of like, oh, is I just going to roll out of his head at any moment? Like that yes. kind of feeling. And again, I'm only articulating it now because you've kind of pushed me with your contradictory yeah, opinion. Yeah. I mean, so, that's, I mean, that's what, we, that's what we're here for. That's, that's what the podcast yeah, is Yeah, that's what this is, isn't yeah. it? But I, I really enjoyed the art. I think it's probably my favorite thing about it. It's not that I, but we'll obviously get into the story and everything as well. Well, I want you to do a synopsis. I would say, uh, without, I mean, I've got the synopsis kind of basically in front of me, but I would say... In a oh, no, I want your synopsis. I mean, the synopsis is basically, it's a classic noir detective story, 
but set against the backdrop of this more cosmic and obviously that's a bit of a shortcut word to use because it's in the bloody title yeah but it's a very it's this backdrop of like uh, undercurrent surrealism in this world that this character is kind of privy to so it's transplanting some of the tropes of the detective story with the, the surrealist cosmicness but the the main story which is i sometimes get you for for not getting at is our detective is basically called to the scene of a murder which is particularly interesting because it's the murder of a Blank. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I did wonder how you were going to deal with that one. Which is part of the story, but is essentially the closest language we have for this type of creature or being is a god. Yeah, uh, I did read it initially, and I think I was—I did have a slight kind of like, oh, I got the blurb wrong. I think I read it as like the god, like the Christian god. Yes. So when it turned out not to be the god, but a god, I was like, okay, that makes a bit more sense now, actually. Yeah, because I remember when you pitched this to me, it was like, there's a detective working out who killed god, and I was like, that's rat. Because um, I kind of imagined like a 50s detective just in heaven by the pearly gates, like when did you last see the victim? Like, <laughs> Where's the perp? <laughs> which is not that far from the series Preacher, if anyone's seen that. Like that's a similar kind of Preacher is so good. Why have we I mean I know why we've not talked about Preacher yet. Because it's huge and it's long. I mean we're doing a Garth Ennis we're kind of dipping in and out of a Garth Ennis title in the boys. So we're still yes. filling our Garth Ennis quota for the podcast. I think the preachers, but I think preachers better than the boys, though. I think I prefer the boys, but again, it, I, a personal preference, you know. Like I really enjoyed preacher. I like the Irish guy. What's his name? Cassidy. Cassidy. Cass is great. Preacher for me had some moments of like it felt a bit more like extreme for the sake of extreme. Which, if you've read preacher, you know exactly the moments I'm talking about. But I suppose that was it. That was in rebe- That was rebelling against the comics authority in the '90s, wasn't it? I mean, I, I guess so. I don't know for sure, but. I assume you've you might have heard something I didn't. Yeah, I feel like that was in response to the Comics Authority, and that was them saying, "Look, we're making this R-rated shit mm. deal." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, one thing mentioned before we go too far from the art was uh, apparently mm. a big influence from the front cover of the t- of the comic is that this was heavily influenced by Jack Kirby. So Jack Kirby was kind of one of the trinity, I guess, of uh, the early Marvel, like the early '60s Marvel. So, oh, yeah, I do know Jack Kirby. Yes, sorry. Him along with Steve Ditko yeah. are kind of the two people that got credit kind of whether intentionally or unintentionally diverted away from them to Stanley. So whereas kind of for a while, for a few decades, people kind of in the mainstream, people looked to Stanley like, oh, he did everything. And it was kind of the, the more knowledgeable fans, especially people in the industry were like, no, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. Yeah. Jack Kirby, I think think i'm gonna double check this before i say something that might be factually incorrect though i didn't know if he created captain america or not and i can't see can't see who created him looking at the the actual main page but it does seem that jack kirby was very instrumental for very early captain america wasn't it steve didco that made thor might have been i, I don't know off the top of my head i have to google it yeah that, it's not worth googling yeah. but the, re- the reason i bring up jack kirby is there was an anecdote from right. someone beloved by this podcast, by this parish, oh, one Alan Moore, who he had, he he made the anecdote uh, that I showed you, which was P- Stan Lee talking about creating Captain America. Yeah, like he is in he's anecdotally referencing creating Captain America, and Alan Moore going, "Oh, that's funny because uh, Jack Kirby was working on it before he moved to Marvel." <laughs> so not sure. <laughs> how that one works but so jack kirby very influential at that time 
but this comic specifically seems to be influenced by his work on more cosmic characters for marvel like yes. silver surfer fantastic four galactus and especially the eternals yes. which is a big one here which we'll get into later and i'll i'll double back on but it seemed notable like this is a very jack kirby inspired work from oh. those kind of ones if you especially if you look at any silver surfer from like the 60s or 70s yeah you would you would see this comic like you would see the grandparent or great-grandparent of this comic easily so going into the story how did you find it um largely enjoyable I think I would say I I when I asked myself I thought I'm having fun with it I'm enjoying it I'm along for the ride I will say I don't I did not find it especially deep or like gripping but it was interesting enough that I was like I'll go for the ride and I'll have fun and I did yeah fully and I liked the little subplot with his colleague with yeah. the bandages I think that that is like a a their version of a classic noir trope isn't it it's like your yeah. partner we haven't he's gone missing and he's like there's a giant conspiracy like that i think that was very noir detective trope which again yeah. was kind of what i enjoyed most about it is it was it was kind of the same old detective story but i liked like this is a cosmic version of it which is you like a detective story don't you i do enjoy i like a like a murder mystery i like a whodunit i'm not as big a fan of the original what of the original noirs right well yeah i mean they they haven't mm. aged well in on, on mass have they no but i do like the different versions i mean obviously one of the biggest ones we've done recently is human targets which we both really enjoy i we? love i mean i am a tom king fanatic like i have to admit that now did i enjoy did i say i enjoyed human targets i think you did yeah because like the love story was kind of like the biggest emotional driver of it and you really enjoyed that also you enjoyed booster gold and blue beetle oh, their depictions. booster gold was great yeah, yeah. no yeah human, yeah human target was really fun yeah so that was a very good noir superhero version and this is also yeah. more of a noir cosmic version um but i did i liked the again how it supplants some of the tropes with the cosmic stuff so like the murder weapon in a noir this would have been like a it's a special kind of bullet that can only be found in you know this it's a rare bullet that could only be made here so it's, it could it limit it could only be one of like five people and in this the murder weapon for a, a god was a like a a multi-dimensional galaxy seed like a yeah, seed it was that a, sprouts a galaxy yeah it was a galaxy contained in an apple seed yeah and when they say galaxy there's an inherent problem with this kind of fiction like fantastical fiction that goes a bit too far mm. they'll use words like galaxy seed and then later someone has a bit of information uh oh we found the remains of a galaxy seed in the grand canyon and initially yeah. like because they're far, those words are further apart you go grand canyon that's huge the ga the galaxy seed must be huge and then you think <laughs> well the grand canyon compared to a galaxy i mean the grand pack the grand canyon exists within a galaxy <laughs> it's one of the smallest bits of the galaxy in relation to the galaxy yeah absolutely it's a minute detail so again i think that was kind of one of the earlier parts where for me i went oh i have to switch off my literal brain for this and I don't think that's the same as like, there's been a criticism recently of like Marvel films where Marvel films have been like poorly rated by the critics, but then audience members who like, especially MCU fanatics will go, well, it's not one you're meant to think during. Like you meant, it's one of those films you turn your brain off for, to enjoy. And that became like a kind of double meaning kind of like, are you saying you have to be stupid to enjoy yeah. this film? Like it became like a, no one could quite agree on whether that was a positive or a negative thing to say about a film. 
So for this, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I had to, for me, I had to kind of quieten a very specific part of my brain, which again was the literal interpretation part. I so, mean, they, um, let's, let's be frank here, wasn't the most intelligent writing we've covered. No, and uh, yeah, it, that's why I was kind of making the point earlier of like, it was just kind of two tropes that you never see together, smashed together. And for, yeah. that was the, what I enjoyed about it. And to paraphrase John Mayer here, I like it when somebody takes two seemingly opposing ideas, puts them together in front of you, and you just kind of watch them play off each other for a little while. Yeah. And, and that's interesting. And, you know, I'm a fan of high concept stuff. Just for the for the reader's sake, because I I have a general idea of what you mean, but let's let's make sure we're on the same page. So, what do you mean by high concept? Well, or can you define in a way? Yeah. So the definition of high concept I'm using here isn't actually what high concept is, but this is just the term I'm using for it right it's now. It's very useful that I <laughs> I made it's this point. It's incredibly useful that you 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 made me give that caveat. So what I'm talking about here more specifically is where you get two ideas seemingly completely unrelated, and you plop them down in front of somebody. And they hmm. just get to watch them bounce around together for a little bit. Right. And that's what's happening here. Um, have you seen the album that Shaggy did that Sting produced? I have not, but I've heard of it for some reason. Don't it's know why. phenomenal. So it's old crooning tunes. So like Fly Me to the Moon, Sinatra tunes. Sung by Shaggy in a style that is somewhere in between trad jazz and reggae. Right. With obviously Shaggy's voice over the top of it. And it's tons of fun. Like, it's kind of both exactly what you would imagine it to be and completely something you wouldn't be able to picture in your brain without hearing it. There's an expression from a wrestling podcast like this. So I think it fits here. It's, it's the notion where you're presented with something that you don't think, in, you don't think it'll inher- already inherently be good, but you're interested enough that the expression is, let's have a look at it. Yeah. Like, it's interesting enough. You're like, let's see it. Like, I, I want to see what it looks like. Like, that kind of interest. And I think that's the thing. When you take a detective story and you set it over this kind of scale with these kind of themes, like, it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. And it was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. And again, I, I had fun with it because, uh, I mean, the main part was I was engaged enough in the story that I wanted to know what happened next. It surprised me at points. Mm. I think that is, like, one of the tools or the 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 handy tools of the cosmic genre is it's really hard to be like well we know what's gonna happen next like no you don't because that's not that's the cosmic genre like it's it's lovecraftian without the without the negative aspects like Mm. it's anything can happen not oh my god anything could happen (laughs) it's you know anything could happen but then but then it does get a bit dark as well but dark in a this looks aesthetically beautiful oh god what's happening now kind of feeling and there were some grounding elements i think you know the the main protagonist relationship with his family was quite grounding and quite sweet what i found so interesting about that is how against the detective trope that part was yeah right because normally the detective is either uh, just a full-on loner or uh, has an ex-wife and you know that the job was t- was too much and i told her the job comes first and she left me and took the kids like that's yeah. normally the uh, the trope isn't it whereas he's going home to his loving family and she's like there's that scene where he sleeps the whole evening mm. and forgets to ask about her day and he just yep. wakes up on the couch and she's next to him and he's like i'm so sorry sweetie i forgot to ask about your day and she's like ah, it was okay that- but you seem stressed i think in the moment, I, that I found that surprisingly wholesome for the for the as, for the detective aspect of yeah. the story, but it pays off later at the end exactly. in a big way, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, the story I found like the immediately I was maybe not quite hooked, but very inter- I was very curious by the uh, the language that was used at the start. 
Now, unfortunately, they only do this once at the beginning and then never again during the, the comic, which I thought was a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah. They create this really interesting concept and then just kind of forgot about it for the rest of it. But in the beginning, uh, the detective is meeting a, we assume maybe a police officer or at least someone who's connected to the police. Says there's a body in here, you've got time, whatever. But they talk in a coded language. So immediately yes. it's a very kind of easy tool to be like, be hey, you should be interested in what's going on because they're not talking how you'd expect them to talk. Yes. Um, and it does translate those uh, the, that coded language at the bottom. I'm just scrolling to here. Because they're talking about rhubarbs and... Yeah, I thought I'd get a little example just for it. So yeah, he goes yeah, up yeah. to the detective who's wearing a rainbow tie for some reason. Like, fair enough. And his, a the detective asks him, I hear asparagus is in season, which at the bottom is translated, someone has been murdered. Like that. So it's very, um, very obviously like one for one kind of coded language and then very quickly you get the no not asparagus which means no not someone and then the a, a hook within a hook almost you, the the officer responds rhubarb and the detective's face <laughs> drops <laughs> and the placement of the translation i think is really good in this panel as well because you get the 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 spoken word rhubarb and then your eyes scan to the detective's face who is scared yeah and then you scan down and you get where the translation should be and it's blacked out. Yeah. So immediately you go, rhubarb, interesting word, interesting reaction, being withheld the translation. So it's, it's not just that they didn't put it in, it's that it's there and it's covered so you intentionally can't see it. So I thought that very smart, very clever. And then again, they just kind of do away with it. Yeah. They do the blacking out of the words later on in normal language but i feel like the, the code language was like just a fun little bit they could have continued a little bit yeah more. absolutely might not have had the same punch but at least it would have kind of been almost a little reminder of like oh yeah that's why i was interested at the beginning like yeah. this thing so yeah i really enjoyed that what do you what do you think of that yeah no i mean i didn't pay as much attention to it as you did um but i did clock it and it was yeah it was kind of interesting wasn't it Maybe that's why, again, my mm, turning off my literal... I mean, I had my literal mind on at this point. Right. So I was very much like, what's happening here? Like, I need to interpret all the clues. <laughs> and then it was a bit after this where I went, oh, actually, I just need to, like, go along for the ride a bit more. And then very soon after that, and a bit before as well, you get the... I made a note of the onomatopoeia sounds that they were using. So yes. there was he was eating apple, and it was just going crunch, 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 munch, crunch. Yeah. And that was like, that's odd you don't see that much in comics but you know it's just standard and then there's one point where he pulls a cigarette out of a cigarette pack and the the onomatopoeia is get yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then when he puts it back it's leave yeah, yeah yeah and that's when i was like okay this this i think that was when i was like this is not literal <laughs> this this is playing around with the concept this is all fully yeah this is we've descended into um oh my god they made films in the 80s very funny I might have to narrow it down. George a bit. Harrison bankrolled them. This is a dead parrot. Monty Python? This has just become Monty Python. <laughs> As a British person, I feel like I need to you need to be subject to some kind of national quiz now that you've forgotten yeah, the word Monty Python. No, I need to get beamed, don't I? I think you just need to go through that kind of like, are you actually British test? <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> Can we just edit this out and then I seamlessly go, Oh, this has just become Monty Python. Or we leave the whole bit in and it's funnier. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's <laughs> totally fine. We can just leave it there. Getting soon after that, or soon after the initial meeting and the coded language, the big first splash panel, splash page of the 
god corpse i thought yeah that's immediately where you go this is a very art centric piece so i stared at that for a while especially because also the detective of the cop just go rhubarb to each other <laughs> splash panel splash page i should have said because it's a whole a page or pages we've ha- ha- we've had this conversation before oh have we, we have, oh yeah. man i'm I, not doing well today am I? I used splash page for the first time and you went splash pet and then we got into it you're like oh, i like that <laughs> and i'm just fully i think what happens is when we get done recording the podcast i just file everything that we talk about as done you and say just done do you mean recycle bin yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just like right control alt <laughs> it just goes the more the more uh correspondence we receive from fans the more instances you're gonna have of like did we talk about this <laughs> i think i'm just gonna get to a point where i just go yes without even like looking at the yes. thing like yeah we probably did you should listen to the episodes more often jamie wherever it was yes we did <laughs> did we talk about space nazis yes jamie at length i mean that was very memorable because <laughs> it was an alan moore creation <laughs> I think it was around, yeah, like I said earlier, it was around this point in the comic where I kind of me- actually asked myself the question of like, how are we reading this? Right. So the note I made at the time was, it's a gimmick. It feels like a gimmick at this point. And the gimmick is like, it's fun and interesting. Will we get anything deeper here? And I think we we did in a bit, but not as much as I was. I normally hope for like some of my more favorite comics like that level i'm almost more interested in your thought process when you're when you were reading this at this point than i am in the comic book itself i think so for my thought process here because it's a detective story Mm. detectives and whodunits normally have a need a quite rigid like here are the rules of what's happening here because then when you have like the oh there was a clue here like to you know a mystery and this is not a mystery whodunit like not at all this is a noir story so, but because I kind of thought, oh, maybe it's a whodunit, I'm kind of paying, because I like whodunit, so I'm kind of paying extra attention. Yeah. And that's when I kind of had to decide, is is any of this information, like, important information to retain? <laughs> yeah, okay. Or is it more just to experience as it's happening? Yeah. So this is where I kind of began to ask myself the question of, like, are we just enjoying the story as it is, or are we needing to be like who was there at the time? Like, who were the, right. know, are we figuring out along with the detective who did it? Yeah, because you were far more engaged with this than I was, clearly. I mean, I, but yeah, ev- evidently. I, I would say I enjoyed it as a whole. Like, I enjoyed, like I said earlier, I enjoyed all the melding of the genres and everything. And I didn't it, dislike it. It just, I wasn't particularly engaged with it. I'll tell you what it kind of reminds me of in, in, like, what this comic is. Not necessarily, not specifically the genre or the story or anything. It reminds me a bit of Mosley in that it's a kind of yeah. one-off story in a in a world that's, similar to ours but very different in a lot of ways and we're following this character and there we have a black middle-aged protagonist yep we do we do <laughs> uh, but whereas with mosley again i found the holes more in the um in the motivations like we had yes some god we had a discussion about that one didn't we whereas this one the motivations are very simple and very clear and also lead to the motivations inform the kind of twisted uh, i'm hesitant to say twist but the the ending reveals in a way i mean this plot was quite twisty like hmm. i think the one thing this didn't lack was plot and again like what i'm saying with like how literal to interpret is like yeah do we have to focus on the plot of like we need to remember this for later or are we just kind of going along with it as it happens and i and felt it was a going along as it happened story well it bounced along didn't it like the story progressed quite promptly um and there was always something happening wasn't there there was there was very few low points in this story i do like that the, the uh, at some points the additional deep line detail like in the in the characters faces and stuff yeah but again like i was saying earlier i i also now appreciate more the inconsistency when then there was 
no like lack of lines or no lines or kind of thing yeah there was one part in particular where he's i think he's falling through like a portal or something yeah and i don't know if you know it or not but there's the back like there's a kind of faded backdrop to him like falling yeah and the backdrop is panels of the character in different art styles yes yeah, yeah, yeah. i've loved that again mm. but i love that but, but that was so obviously purposeful wasn't it yes ex- oh yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not liking it to the the lack of consistency in the in the jankiness or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. but i'm saying like it, it's very it's very much like uh we are doing all sorts of stuff here kind yeah. of kind of moment uh it felt a bit like the doctor strange falling through realities kind of thing in the in the latest film but that was kind of a waste opportunity in that yeah wasn't it have i seen that film i uh, don't think so no it was the one directed by sam raimi it yeah. was it advertised itself it's like multiverse of madness it's like it's actually about 10 multiverses and they fall through them in one second and then we're done like, and, then, and then it's just it. all back in new york yeah uh, uh, no then when it's kind of different new york where the contrast is just kind of turned up <laughs> basically what they did we're in new york but in a universe where the contrast is slightly higher <laughs> yes and there's humorous differences in how this world works and that kind of thing they don't like pizza here they like pizza balls is that was that, that was the yeah there's like a snack was like pizza balls i haven't seen it and i fucking nailed it you got you were on your way like <laughs> you don't have pizza you i don't know where you were gonna go after that yeah no but i got you didn't know where you were gonna go after that <laughs> But yeah, this is this is an interesting one to keep diverting back to. It doesn't feel like a back to the comic because we've got so much to talk about, but without just getting into like what happens kind of play by play almost. Which isn't that interesting. No, and again... That, Ultimately, that, as yeah, a listener... I did find it, again, find it interesting that when we got to... So later on in the story, it gets to like a reveal. And if you want to read this, I don't feel this is like a one that, even if it were spoiled for you, I think there's a lot to get beyond the literal story i know what you're about to say and i don't i wouldn't consider it a spoiler well i'll say the the god there's an earlier reference where basically we find out the main character he's actually he's a detective but he's a detective for a secret agency but the agency is literally just like the most secretive clandestine an agency because they're like people in masks on a screen basically and they are dealing with these god-like influences and events that happen on the earth and kind of cleaning up after it in a kind of men in black style way men in black is a really great comparison here yeah and but there's then the 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 reasons for as we find out are kind of different yeah so initially i think it plays with that trope of the men in black thing of like oh they're a secret organization because people can't handle the truth about the matter so they clear up for the sake of humanity because it's one of those like well if you found out gods existed like the the market would tank the next day (laughs) think about the stocks you know (laughs) so it feels like that initially yeah but then as we get into the story it's kind of revealed that uh the gods are like alive and well for the most part are just here on earth and earth is basically their experimenting ground slash eventually gonna cultivate the earth for their own use kind of thing and the the secret society are like we know this we didn't tell you this because it's it basically is like apocalypse is going to happen at some point like that's the the fact there is the a news. planned apocalypse yeah and they're like we're trying to stop it by gather like we're trying to get these instances of their interactions with the yeah. with the society to learn as much as possible and maybe stop them one day mm. and then it becomes like a how do you stop gods kind of thing because that's where it kind of gets a little bit lovecraftian where it's like yes these are unstoppable beings who we can affect with with the same kind of vigor of like a 
fly affecting a human like well, that level at the very start the protagonist wasn't even aware that these beings could be killed exactly and that's kind of the hook for the story is like it implies that with the blurb of like a god has been murdered yeah you initially think how can a god be killed unless you start going into like you know greek or norse mythology i'm sure they die all the time there don't they uh with less frequency in the norse mythology and the greek mythology is rife with it they right. love killing each other well again yeah, so it it becomes i think we naturally coming from a more western influence we think of you know like i said earlier i thought of like the one god not the many gods kind of thing yeah i mean we're europeans so i think um when we think of god we think of a monotheistic god as opposed to a polytheistic or pantheistic god don't we exactly so it kind of reveals later on that this this level of gods are very very powerful beings yeah they're not necessarily the uh all seeing all knowing but they are so extremely powerful that they might as well be if that yes. makes sense the fact that one of them dies kind of puts a ceiling on their power yeah but it's still like it's like the equivalent of like uh, if you were an unarmed person going up against king kong like it's, yeah. it's that kind of power level one of the things that i did enjoy and i think it was a testament to the writing is how they meted out these revelations about the world we're in and so you get just enough so that the next bit of the story makes sense mm. You get just enough. I mean, and, and they make a show of it. You know, there's that scene where he goes to see that doctor who's prescribed the pills. Yeah. And he gets tortured a little bit. And he says, well, I'll tell you what I know if you tell me what you know. And they say, you first. Hmm. And he tells them what he knows. And then... But just know. a little bit to be like, I know valuable stuff. Now let me out. But ultimately, that was stuff that we didn't know. Yes. And it was a really convenient way of the author just giving us some information that we needed so that the next chunk of plot made sense and and again that is kind of um expositional i would say i appreciate it because they put so much effort into creating the scenario where that would come out naturally yeah no no we, was, we've seen much worse it was a cool bit, it was a cool bit of exposition yeah. like i'm not i'm not saying it was bad yeah um is one of the things that i liked about it is that there was like right we need the audience to have this information um let's work up a fun interesting way of giving them that information that also serves the plot yeah and they did that and i read that and went oh i can see what you're doing here like i can lift the hood and see which bit of the engine you're playing with but also mm. oh nice job i feel like that i think that's more of a detective trope thing i think yeah maybe actually because what you tend to have with those kind of old 50s black and white ones was you'd also have the mystery of the protagonist as well like what's their backstory so yes. that would come out and that would the case would always be like turns out this case is actually more personal than i initially yeah. believed so the the backstory of the protagonist kind of connects to the case they're working on um much and again it does this very similar way here we realize that as soon as he said he goes back to the society and he says hey a god's dead did you know that could happen and they're like yeah we had a god die three weeks ago and he's like what and he's yeah, like yeah. who was on that case like was it higgins i think was the name or um he was higgins hodgson hodgson yeah and he's like hodgson disappeared and they're like yes and i love i love the point i made a note of it because i thought it was so it kind of made me chuckle a little bit so they said um they said higgins Ho hodgkins died uh, no, Hodgkins went missing after investigating the murder of another god, which we didn't know could happen until that case, and now we've had another one recently. And then they make the point of going, we, we've investigated it, and the two, the, his disappearance and the first god dying are not related. Yeah. <laughs> I, I clocked that as well. But yeah. then what really chuckled me was after that, he goes, well, like, why didn't you tell me about it? Kind of thing. Like, why didn't you tell me he'd gone missing and a god had died? And they go... 
it was simply a bureaucratic matter, yeah. not some cover up. And I thought that was such an interesting line to use in in an already established. We're dealing with gods being murdered, and they're going. It's just bureaucratic stuff. Don't it's worry bureaucracy. about it. If this was a normal thing, if this was a normal story, like a, a set in reality story, when someone says, it's just a bureaucratic thing, it's not a cover-up, you'd go, that's a cover-up. But when in this world, they go, it's just a bureaucratic thing. It's like, that's more suspicious <laughs> that I think it might be a bureaucratic thing. And it kind of turned out to be yeah, a little bit. like it did, didn't it? But it was the bureaucracy of stuff that we didn't know about. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the fact that it's like, if you were in, again, an insane surrealist magic world, someone, oh, it's a bureaucratic thing. You'd be like, I, the fact that you're saying that means it probably must be. The fact that you have bureaucracy still. Yes. <laughs> the fact that you have bureaucracy makes me think, oh, it must be a bureaucracy. I'm ruining myself trying to say bu- bureaucratic bureaucracy. Bureau. That's, I've got to say bureau over and over again. That's another, what's that word? The, or the, the phrase you said earlier about not sounding right? satiation. Yes. Bureau. Euro, euro de change. <laughs> Can I exchange with these euros? <laughs> Can I, I need to go to the bureau to buy some euros. Uh, absolutely wanky sentence. Be like, the bureau de exchange. Like, oh, shut up, Barry. It's like, the fucking cash change place. <laughs> yeah. What are you on about? Oh, la da It's in the top of Marks and Spencer's, you bellends. I did find that meeting with the secret society, the base on the television was sufficiently creepy oh like, massively and i thought that again that was like a great great art because they can do the extremes they do yeah. the fantastical and um, aesthetically pleasing stuff and it's like and here's a really creepy face on the tv screen it's yeah. like well you've got range it's like seeing an actor <laughs> do two different roles you're like you've got range there. yeah but I, I was like literally staring at it. i was like how do i feel about it? it's like i'm creeped out which it's i like think is the watching the batman straight after the machinist isn't it oh god yeah that's uh that was that was natural. Whatever you say, Bale. Whatever you say. <laughs> One of the uh, another points that I made a big note on was we mentioned earlier the the realism of the family scene. Yeah, and it's right. about the wholesomeness. I thought it was such an interesting choice. Where so it pans out the kids are in bed and the detective and his wife having sex. Yeah, and it it plays with like the panels there where it gets a bit weird and surreal again. And again, this is what I was saying about. It always felt like the the lines between yeah. reality and the surreal were were very faint and passing. And then after that, he kind of wakes up afterwards, and oh no, or maybe I can't remember if it's mid-sex or he wakes up afterwards. But he wakes up and he is wearing a t-shirt and then naked from the waist down. Yeah. And I thought that was especially like this is a this feels so much like a real person in a real home and a real bedroom. Do you know what I call that when a man does that? Daffy, Daffy Duck. It's the Pooh Bear. Okay. Yeah, you're just poo bearing. We see his knob as well. Yep, yep. And he's hung. I mean, he's a gritty detective. Like it's like it's like Batman's dick. Like it's got to be. <laughs> no, I think Batman would have a really tiny penis. No, that canonically, it's it's decent length. Oh, really? Is that canon? So there was a. I think we've probably talked. I'm almost certain I've talked to to you about this before. Don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but well, let's get it on there. Let's get it on record. There was a Batman series a couple of years ago, right? And it was this really weird. It was again a kind of surreal one where he may or may not have killed the Joker, and right. it kind of takes place after that, and he's kind of being haunted by the Joker's ghost. So it's not like canonical, like this. These events happened in the main story, yeah. But it's close enough that it feels yeah. Like, well, and we see Bruce Wayne's. So he gets out of the. He's like just been like like he's gone through something physically rigorous you know as batman does but it's like he's near death that kind of thing he pulls into the Batcave, 
and he kind of stumbles out of the the Batmobile and he's kind of ripping off the cock out. No, (laughs) just first thing he does. Is is that what Bruce Wayne does when he gets back to Wayne Manor? Just literally whips it out. I feel like you've read the room incredibly wrong here. (laughs) I'm talking about being near death and you're making a knob gag. Like, (laughs) it's like at a funeral, be like, does anyone know any good jokes? (laughs) That's that's the feeling here okay so continue he's, sorry he's, he's ripping off the bat uh yeah. he's ripping off the suit and everything and uh there's like they try and do like a kind of like artistic like shadow outline so you don't see it full on right. but you see the outline of it at, at like at an angle and it was enough they would like you know hit like the internet news in shadow though yeah like but you see the outline through the shadow yeah but shadow no no so it's, it's on his body so right, it's, it's like sorry, a faint okay. shadow. So it's not like the shadow projected on a wall. It's not like him. <laughs> so he's doing shadow puppets it's like four with foot it. Tall. Yeah. He's not doing shadow puppets. Like, look, it's a duck. Like, it's, yeah, it's the outline of it. Man, you've, Bruce Wayne needs to leave something for the rest of us. <laughs> he can't be. He's got too much. He can't be that rich, that have that much power and be hung. That's not fair. <laughs> to be fair, I said it wasn't hung, but it was like a decent, like. Whatever difference that makes to you at all, I just love the idea of like Superman and the Flash and all the rest of those guys are like sat around and they're talking about Batman. And one of them goes, "You realise he's got a massive cock, right?" <laughs> Ex- uh, Superman's like X-ray vision. I, I know. <laughs> Barry, right? Barry, what do you reckon? Barry Allen. Yeah, yeah. 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 What do you reckon? Barry, Barry Allen's packing. I don't care enough to. I, I think <laughs> care this is enough. perfect fodder for the podcast. Is us um, contemplating which superhero is hung? I think that they probably all are because they're all written that way. Like they're all they're all <laughs> written. Per- yeah, they're all written perfectly. Like except for whatever the specific issue of the of the issue is, or of the the volume is, or whatever the run. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, they're all perfect specimens with abs and muscles, and of course they're going to be whatever the writer deems a good length. Like that's <laughs> that's the superhero way. <laughs> whatever the writer deems a good length. I mean, it's the perfect way to articulate it. Oh, so put it this way: look at the women. Look Look at the look at the women yeah. superheroes. You can extrapolate from them what the men are probably going to be like if they could show it. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this, which is interesting: that physical run, so the physical print run of that Batman comic. Mm. As soon as there was an uproar about it, immediately removed it from the digital version. So there's some extra rare first edition prints of that run. Because, and they're worth more because you see Batman's dick. Wow. So, I fucking love collectors. So a fictional character's penis has literally made some people money in the real world. Like, oh. that's what's happened here. So, yeah, that's the story of Batman's dick, as it currently is. Maybe it, maybe some brave writer or artist will revisit it in the future. I feel like as a person who collects vinyl and old guitars and first edition books and Pokemon cards, me and the, like comic book nerds that collect physical comic books have way more in common than i think we do oh for sure yeah collectors are collectors at the end of the day again i think the only thing that's stopping me collecting comic books is that they are a bitch to store we've talked about this like i don't want to have a house full of yard boxes exactly yeah i just don't want a house full of yard boxes no exactly um no idea what point i was going to make now but it's completely gone uh disappeared into the ether kind of like some of the things happening in this comic that's kind of that was smooth a very subtle back to the comic um so money baby you don't even know it but like i was saying earlier it was it was such a a stark realism of this guy just being naked from the waist down yeah like 
that felt very much like a this is how i'm comfortable in my own home that to a level that we do not address with um with superheroes generally that was the point i was going to make that disappeared from my brain uh currently watching invincible season two which is uh releasing weekly right now yes and there was a moment in there which i as a superhero fan and i can't remember if they address this in the comic or not so i i don't know if it's both or if it's just a tv show but there's a point there where basically mark grayson's losing his virginity to his college girlfriend oh god and, and she knows they go there yeah yeah they yeah the, i mean in the comic they do quite a bit as well there's there's a part in the comic where he has to go underwater because the you know the uh aquaman replacement <laughs> fish guy yeah, yeah, yeah. his society are like by our code of you know traditional whatever you need to marry our the princess to like make peace between like the lands you are <laughs> and and there's part he's talking to um guy oh what's his name um oh, the guy on the earpiece i can't remember his name now but he's like the, the harsh like men in black type like yeah, yeah, boss yeah. behind the but and they're you know strategizing whatever and he's like yeah we'll get you out of there soon don't worry you ain't gotta do nothing you ain't gotta get married like we'll extract you and mark's like this is not the way i want to lose my virginity and the guy in the, the thing is like Jesus, kid, you're still a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so in like, college. He's like 18 or something. He had a lot going on with his dad. <laughs> he was like, busy, he's got yeah. a lot going on. But in the TV show, what I really appreciate is, again, this first time, go- the girlfriend knows he's he's invincible. And she kind of makes a point of like, hey, are you like okay with your, you know, super strength and you know this sort of thing yeah because that's an issue for superman and lois lane isn't it exactly but it's it's, for obvious reasons never addressed in like traditional marvel dc comics probably ever really um so how do they deal with it i mean what they say is um literally she just gets on top and she says like uh in a just in case like we don't know you know what it's gonna be like but the problem is like even that like i see the logic but considering what he can do with his strength, it seems like you're near a well, you're near a loaded gun, regardless. Like whatever. I mean, in the way. But then, but they literally ask that question. She says, like, she says, like, what about your? And it's in it's insinuating talking about his ejaculation, and it's it literally gets. She kind of poses that in a roundabout way. It's like, what about that? And and he in a teenager kind of way, he's like. I it it seems normal, like again, <laughs> like it's normal to me. But I don't know what normal looks like, mm. right? Because me and my friends haven't wanked in a room together. Exactly. <laughs> but it it sounds it felt so realistic as yeah. well. Where in that scenario, you're about to have this intimate moment for the first time, but you're still not able to like talk in like just basic language. Yeah. Like when you get to a certain age and you're like you know being intimate with whoever you especially in a committed relationship you just you just say whatever like yeah. you so that's the point of being comfortable with someone for after so long and it felt like this really raw very realistic like young love kind of like yeah that early awkward stages so again invincible i i hope they do in the comic but robert kirkman just fucking nailed it yeah i mean it's fun isn't it and and again i think something that robert kirkman is very good at is exploring adolescence in these unusual circumstances like, I think he did a really great job of exploring the adolescents and their experience in The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. All of these kids who came of age and became teenagers in the hill tri- in the hillside. Never knowing the old world. Yeah, and so they're kind of, you know, I remember Carl's like, oh, I'll give you some of my woodwork if you get me one of those hooded jumpers, because he just wants a hoodie, right? Like, and it's kind of, yeah, and so it makes sense that, given a teenage superhero he would have actually stopped and gone I wonder how hard his com shot would be like it's yep. just something that he, he he went there and he thought about it 
Yeah, and again, it's it's that detail. It's not done for like the sake of like, haha, look, like we're talking about this. Like it's like um, there's old Kevin Smith Morats thing where yeah. the guy, a guy, when the characters meet Stanley, it's like, what does the thing's dick look like? Like that yeah. kind of thing. It's it's a very like if if people had superpowers in the real world, this would be a discussion at the very least. This is all funny until you have to have sex with somebody who's super, right? Yeah, like. And- I tell you one time, I say they're not mentioning this kind of stuff in mainstream Marvel and DC. There is one instance that comes to mind, and I, I don't know if you know this or not. Is this but more recent? No, this was a few years ago, I think, at the very least. So there was a kind of alt-world Spider-Man story. So right. again, Spider-Man and Mary Jane can never be happy. Like yeah. That's just a, a rule, apparently. But what happened was, there was this kind of future story. Did so, he just really empty himself, Ryan? That's, Re- that's a short reference check out the short it's, <laughs> it's doing well on tiktok it's a it's... reference to a previous episode yeah. but um <laughs> i mean you're not that far off in terms of what we're talking about here oh, so God. again this is a marvel published story official yeah. story so it's not like it's not us being vulgar for the sake of vulgarity yeah there's a story where peter's older he's in the future and again it's not mainline but it's you know elseworld whatever oh, what if whatever and Mary Jane is not around. And then you find out later that she passed away earlier. Oh, The reason for her passing away comes oh, out. Oh, no. It turns out that part of Peter Parker's spider powers is that he has radioactive semen. And that, <sighs> fortunately, had negative medical effects on Mary Jane. And that was a released Marvel story that someone he- was like, this will be fine. He Marie Curie'd her. Yeah, yeah, basically. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Ryan! I know, and they re- and Marvel again released this. Somebody this. signed off on that. Yep, they were like, "This is fine." Like That's how ridiculous! How desperate Marvel editorial are <laughs> to not let Peter and Mary Jane just be happy together. It's like, fuck it. His, his sperm is radioactive now. Like, oh my god! Yep, that's fucked up yep yep and I, they did that it might have been in the 90s because it feels like a very 90s like <laughs> edgelord kind of thing to totally do totally 90s isn't it um yeah like you'd read that comic and then go eat some like radioactive you'd go eat some what are those sweets in the little sweets you no know, no they were like sour sweets and they came in a little like plastic tub that was like toxic waste toxic waste yeah right. you'd read that story and then go eat some cheetos and toxic waste with a glass of sunny d right yeah, just chemical, all radioactive chemicals. <laughs> or might as well be. So, back to the comic. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of feel like we've exhausted the comic. Well, there's a little bit at the end that I want to touch on with you. I, I think it's it kind of plays into your thing about, like, not... It's a kind of plot hole, but it's hard to define it as a plot hole because of this type of story. Because the plot is all whole. Well, the plot is... It's not a structured plot. Even though yeah. it has that... It has that air of, like, a structured detective plot but basically the detective gets captured by these god race people and basically gets experimented on so he basically loses his hand which is a cool part because he's like his hand's gone it's like oh his hand's back but it turns out this god is experimenting on humans but his method of experimentation so this is where the story kind of hinges on this plot point and this is why i'm hesitant to call a hole or not but it hinges on this the fact that this god is experimenting on humans and his specific way of experimenting on them is enhancing them. Yeah. So he gives the detective a hand that can turn into anything he can imagine. And of, naturally, he starts off with a gun because he's a detective and that's what he needs in the moment. Um, 
It then turns out this partner... also American, so... Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, wake, uh, eat, sleep, and breathe, you know? <laughs> but so they, he has this gun hand, and then the guy's just like, there you go, off you go, like, enjoy your experiment, hand or whatever. And then he runs into his... Uh, it's a he runs into his partner, who is kind of now an ethereal, what like, Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen-esque character. Yeah like it turned into energy turns out he was experimented on by the same god so this is explaining like why he's like he is and how the detectives now enhance in this way and then they are able so the the partner has one of these galaxy seeds which i do like the it's coming back to on itself and the galaxy seed there's a god who's like or you too and he like basically says like oh bloody that other god in his experiments like he's such a nuisance experiment on humans <laughs> and making them enhance so they actually pose a threat to us now yeah and then this partner's like quick put the galaxy seed in the gun hand and kill him and he does and that's a cool moment as well it like it, it feels like it's going back the story's kind of going back in on itself yeah. but I, at that point i couldn't help but think this entire plot by this stage is wholly reliant on this god who's like i want to enhance humans to a level where they are dangerous. Oh, they're, they're more they're of a dangerous threat to us. To me. <laughs> well, like maybe he's just like, go out into the world and maybe fuck <laughs> up some other gods or whatever. But again, so, so that's the point where I don't know if it's a plot hole. It's not like it doesn't make sense, but yeah. it is maybe a, a contrivance a bit. Well, it just doesn't make a lot. Well, I, I, think, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's fun. Mm. But then part of the context is these gods are doing stuff that we don't... like. The human characters don't understand or comprehend. Yeah, absolutely. So for us to be like, that doesn't, that motivation doesn't make sense there. It's like, they're gods. Like, <laughs> that is... The, the point is, you yeah. don't get why they're doing what they're doing. So, again, that's... Maybe in a storytelling sense, it feels like a plot hole. And again, it's like... Um, it feels a bit like a deus ex machina. And I think it's ironic that we are two human beings who come from a culture or a society which has been finding ways with great success to kill other human beings mm. for many many years probably the best the thing we're best at as a as a race it's it's the every massive technological advancement one of the first things we do is say how can we use it to wank more efficiently and how can we use it to kill each other more efficiently? I think the killing comes a bit before the wanking because it's one of those like I don't know, man. Well, it's like Scarface. It's like first you get the power, then the or the money, then the power, then the women. So it's like that. He he yeah. kind of he kind of did that like order of needs thing, like <laughs> Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, but for yeah, yeah. but for cocaine drug lords. <laughs> but no, the wanking and the killing. There's not a lot in it as to which mm. which application we use. This for is like a chicken and first. egg kind of scenario. <laughs> what came first, the wanking or the killing? <laughs> Now that's a, noir, a detective noir story. <laughs> I would read. <laughs> um, but no, as two human beings, we're questioning why a higher being than us would find a way to weaponize their creation, despite the fact that, as a species, that's one of the first things we do with every new technology we get our hands on. True, true. But again, like it's it's not that they've done it for their own benefit. It's, I said, like the the doc, this doctor god has been like, here's some enhancements, and go and do whatever you want and then it's killed another god so uh, the other god's now going to be like bloody hell steve you enhanced some more like base creatures and one of them's killed a guy now and then also part of the plot then becomes uh detective and uh humphreys 
running away or like detective running away humphrey's like gav here humphrey's name has changed Probably about Higgins. five times during this podcast i've got it down so i do have a note i've got as humphrey so it, i think that is correct it's like the lion in um pride of baghdad yeah where the always, name just changed a bunch of times all the three other names first and then the last one's correct um but one thing i noticed a detective trying to get away and humphrey's like hey gav here and he's like but they're going to find, like, these are these all-powerful creatures. They're going to find me. And Humphreys has to be like, they don't care about you. Like, it, n- none of this matters to them. And that that was part of the theme. So that contextually made sense. Yeah. But also, they just killed one of them. So it's like, if if in relation to, as as I, I kind of made the example of, like, it's like flies to humans. Like, that level of, you know, existence and relative power. If there was a fly that killed a human... We wouldn't be like, well, that fly's gone now. <laughs> Who cares? We would we we would start massacring flies en masse, wouldn't we? Yes, but again, am I associating human logic to gods? You know? Yeah. Are, are we are we are we ascribing divinity to ourselves? Mm. I'll tell you one thing I just realized. I don't know if this is accidental genius on my part, if I do say so myself. By reference, this kind of thing is being a Deus Ex Machina. What does Deus Ex Machina mean? It means the hand of God. Does so it? The point of the thing is like a Deus Ex Machina happened in the story. Like I think the most famous one I think is is it Saving Private Ryan, where Tank turns up at the pivotal moment and it's yes. like so that being the idea being Deus Ex Machina means the hand of God or the author like has placed a tank to save the character. Yeah. So that's what that means. So in this, it's very literal Deus Ex Machina. In <laughs> like a way. it's a it's a hand from God. Yeah. We that does lead us to a kind of twist reveal esque thing at the end yeah. where it turns out that the guy the detective goes back to this council he's like how much of this did you know like planned apocalypse and all this and the council have to be like yeah we know this is why we do what we do like we are gathering information so that in the vaguest of hopes that we might be able to do something about it one day and he's like now that you know here's the choices because you can't just go back to what you were doing with this knowledge do you either a want to join us like promotion essentially get in behind the curtain and like really have an effect now that you're you're in the know or do you want to have your mind wiped and go very men in black yeah exactly and forget all this and just enjoy the last moments you have with your family without worrying without knowing it's going to be your last moments but there's also that little added bit of like what they say before that they they say once again you have discovered the truth so and that was really subtle like they did not overplay that at all like i had to go back and be like did they say that so that's really subtly implied that he's mind wiped already yeah like he's chosen the mind wipe already before red pill blue pill baby exactly and we don't know uh if what he chooses at this point you see him with his family again but you know that's not definitive so i liked like for this type of story an open-ended ending is probably the best thing for this kind of story yeah 100 percent. like it just left it open at the end and it was the right creative choice wasn't it yeah absolutely so yeah i thought that was interesting and again i obviously the kind of main takeaway from this podcast is i got a lot more out of this than than you did yeah i mean now again this always happens to me and i think on some level it happens to you too which is that when we come in hot like this and one of us has taken quite a lot out of a text well, so we didn't one, really come in hot and that's Notable yeah we were both quite neutral but i think the so, so and part part of the reason that i keep doing this is that i enjoy the process of reading a thing and coming out of it quite neutral 
and then chatting to you about it and in that during that process i go actually yeah i agree with you i really quite liked Mm. that or i didn't like that and and we both discover things that we hadn't considered yeah i mean i've definitely had the reverse the prime example being that spider-man run so yeah 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 no it happens doesn't it like Mm. we 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 come we come in and we both kind of have an opinion or we feel a bit neutral about something sometimes and then the very act of just chatting about it kind of enriches the experience and so now actually i thinking back to it i'm like yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> kind of like this podcast is kind of like a book club for us and everyone who listens i mean i suppose it kind have you ever been part of a book club i mean the most i've, I've known of a book club was why i bought i can't remember if it was last week or the week before but that whole finnegan's wake yeah. book club thing so i ran two book clubs for, oh. a, for a few years it was my it was part of my job i was right. a library manager yes so i ran a couple book clubs and obviously doing an english degree is kind of just being in a three-year book club. <laughs> but it's one where someone's like, "We, you need to really explain your thought process here. Yeah. In yeah. a way that I'm going to grade you on. Yeah, it's a, yeah, an English degree is just a graded book club. Right. Um, and so, like, this process is supernatural to me. Like, it's not supernatural. This process say, is very natural to I me. I took a second to be like, hang on. Like, <laughs> you, you, you put a space in the word and gave it a whole new meaning. <laughs> <laughs> No, th- this process is very natural to me. Yes. This idea of like, actually, some of the richness comes from the conversation afterwards. Mm. And like, I suppose that's kind of the fun of this is that the conversation that I have with you is the reason that I'm reading these things. Yeah. And so this is what's important. And actually, my thoughts on it are less important. Yeah. Does I that d- make sense? I mean, like I've said before, we've read stuff and you've like, before we record, you kind of go like, oh, what do you think of it? Kind of thing. And I, I always do like the, let's not speak until we're, till we're actually being recorded. Don't talk to me. Yeah, exactly. Disgusting creature. But also like, I think we've both had like a kind of like, I, I'm not sure if I like it or don't like it, but I've got a lot to say about it. Yeah. So it's more like we have to, we've refined it to like the process of like taking each element and part and examining it and what do we think of each part yeah and again like this like for the most part i enjoyed it i had obviously some minor criticisms but nothing that i would i mean objectively i think it's a good text like it's interesting it does something a bit different it's refreshing kind of kind of stuff you might normally get in comics can i use the parlance of gen z here just for a moment are you going to call it goated because that seems a bit extreme no despite the fact that i enjoyed it it's mid yeah that's fair enough it's just a bit mid isn't it yeah, um, I, I, I would I go a bit above myself mid for using mid. Yeah, 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 it's gonna be part of the parlance. Like I literally saw a thing recently on Reddit. And it was like people complaining, like that's not a word. It's like none of no words are words. I think the way we should structure, and you can shoot this down. You can fully shoot this down. Yeah, again, a galaxy seed ready and loaded. But it is much internet. It's <laughs> much internet at the moment. Is the way we should structure our rundown for the year. Right. Is that we should take all 52 episodes that we've done. Yep. And put them in a, in a tier list. S to F tier. So here's the thing with that. And I think we've, <laughs> we've, we've had this conversation. So it's worth having. I'm, I'm in agreement to an extent. I think that we should limit ourselves with that to the, the titles that have come out this year. And I think, yeah. cause I think it's kind of I pointless. Know. I think it's kind of, I don't but see any. But like three. This is the problem. We've done a fair few, though. Like, I've made sure of it. Like, we've done enough, I think, that we can rank them at least. Mm. Um, and a l- most of them are, like, best of titles from the year. Like, that's how, how I find out about them is I'm like, what's going, like, what's popular? What are people talking about? Like, what should we get an opinion on or provide an opinion on? But when it comes to, like, 
Alan Moore Superman from the 80s. It's like, well, bloody 43 years later, a couple of podcasters deemed it mid. Like, who, <laughs> who They put it beat it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I get your point. Whereas, that's kind of fun in and of itself. Whereas something that's come out now, at least we have that, like, what do we think of comics now? Because we can compare them to each other. Like, yeah, the, okay. this is the level we're at now. Where does it land on here? So, you know, near the top, we might go, like, sneak peek for the rankings we might go like eight billion genies or uh nice house on the lake or S target both S. exactly i mean we've got to come up with a gen z ranking so goated is like that level isn't it like is it goated tier is it what's good like what would gen z is good good but based based yeah so it'd be goated based mid mid cap cap is lie like no yeah cap is lying Oh, is Cap lying? Yeah. So oh, I say no, no I Cap, thought... like no, like no lie. Oh, I thought Cap was just like not very good. Nah, Cap is Cap is lying. So if you said something, I disbelieved you. Or it's like bullshit. It's like Cap. And if it, if if it's, I really believe you. I say yeah, no Cap. Like I work with young people, man. I should really <laughs> listen to them this. more often. I, I think I might be more on the internet than you, and that might be why. <laughs> what, what's your phone saying? <laughs> what, what should, can we get an update? What on the the parlance? No, no, no. Your phone tells you how much more internet you've been using. Oh no! It, so it, it it switches between it. So so, so it literally <laughs> it does it does that for a while, and then like what happened last time, which has now happened again, is it then switches to like, hey, here's your daily well being update. So it's I, it literally the app, which is not an installed app. It's just part of the phone. It's part of Samsung. But it's just, it it switches from like, here's your daily update to like, here's how many more hours you used. And then I have like a little rage on a Monday morning. I don't like it when devices have native software built into them. No, it's horrible. Just give I'm a me, Bixby and I'm like, leave me alone. Yeah, just give me whatever the most up-to-date version of Android is and be done with it. Yeah, I will download Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will just download what I want. Exactly. I'm more and more like one of my friends is shout out to you, buddy. You know who you are. <laughs> um, is currently trying to build something fun, a toy for himself. I won't say what it is because I don't want someone to beat him to it. Right. But he's talking about using Linux for it. Okay. And we have a pretty consistent messenger chat because we're both little ADHD monkeys. Um, and so he's just been chatting to me about Linux a lot recently. The more I hear about the Linux, the more I'm like, I could could just use the linux it's it's the image of the uh, operating <laughs> softwares <laughs> but the problem with linux is it takes a lot of like management like you need to be on yeah. top of it and i'm like i don't know if i can make that commitment but also it sounds like so much fun it's it's the um developers slash uh programmers like yeah, choice isn't it but it, I, I don't even know if it's that popular anymore i don't think it's ever been popular i think well, but no. like but it's but it's always been very well regarded within very niche circles yeah. like the people who are in the know know that. it's that kind of thing where it's like if you if someone who knows computers speaks to someone else and they find out they use linux it's like oh you know like yeah, oh that's like it. the sign yeah so yeah i think that's uh wait, what we'll get a ranking system in gen z language and we'll, we'll use that at the end out. of the year yeah. i mean i think s to f tier works like that's that's the one i see most on the internet at the moment that's the whole, yeah, that's, yeah, but that's the basic one. We want to reinvent. We want to stand out from the crowd, do something different. We want to be able to give, was it medals out to be like, we deemed your comic goated for 2003. <laughs> like, oh my God, because I did say that we would send medals out, didn't and I? And the medal have a goat on it. <laughs> <laughs> a comic drawn. You know, I have co- a medal guy, right? Yeah. Of like, course. I have a medal guy locally who I really like. He's so like, we- he's like, he must be in his 80s. So we need to get an illustrator to do a comic goat, and that'll be the medal. I'm going to go into the medal guy and be like, 
Have you got a goat? <laughs> Can you draw a goat? Yeah, but we don't want to. We don't want like a photorealistic one. We're like, we want a style, like, <laughs> at, like illustrator, <laughs> an illustrative goat. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, so what you learned today is if someone says no cap for real, for real, that means you should believe what they're saying. Oh, or, is that what FR means? Yeah, for, for real, for real. For, yeah. Oh fuck! And also, by the way, we're already starting to get into whatever's after Gen Z. Uh, is it yeah. Gen A? Are we going back again? No, well, like, we never started a Gen A, did we? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Is this the first Gen A now? Gen A is just Adam. Gen A is um, uh, Forrest Gump's love interest. Gen A. <laughs> Gen A. <laughs> Have you heard the story about how he arrived at that accent? Oh, God, no. It's probably offensive, but... No, 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 it's not. It's beautiful. Wow. They had a kid in to play young Forrest, right? And he was chatting with the kid, and he had to work out Forrest's accent. And obviously, he couldn't teach the kid how to do a new accent. So he went, well, I'll just play Forrest as the kid. And the kid was like, my daddy is a monkfish farmer. <laughs> like he's, The kid spoke exactly the way that Forrest speaks. And so Tom Hanks just learned how to imitate him and that became Forrest Gump's accent. And that's just magic. That's magical because that was such an expensive film, I imagine. I mean, who knows films these days and budgets and all this bollocks. Oh, it's all, it's... right now especially, it's all up in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I talked the other week about Talk To Me. That was a 60 million budget. Which was considered quite affordable. Really low. And they made an amazing film out of it. To the point where I think they were cutting the budget because they wanted different... Um, they wanted like an actor who... The main, the main actor is an unknown. She's now like booking stuff now off the back of this yeah, success. Yeah. But she was an unknown. So they were like... They, the studio who financed it, they were like, um, hey, like if you don't pick a name so we can sell it, we're not going to give you as much money. And they were like, all right. So like kept cutting the budget, kept cutting the budget. Wow. One of the best horror films of all time. Like genuinely. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, mate. My my arrogant self that just believes I can do do and achieve anything I want to in life. I could make an all-time horror film. <laughs> well, no, I'm like, I could make you anything for 60 million quid, mate. You gave me 60 million quid, I could make you literally anything. I've Yeah, definitely over... Um, a reach far exceeding your grasp kind of attitude. Yeah, but that's a lot of money. Yeah, but also, do you know how much film they film on like a day of filming? Like seconds? For a film? Yeah, like a day of a day of shooting gives like seconds of film. Yeah, So yeah. for 60 million, you've got to book this, whatever these spaces are, every single day for like two or three months. Yeah, but you know, just Di get some phone cameras. Directors especially are more, these days, depending on the project, they're more like... Someone, Zach Braff on a podcast, he, he said this, he said, directors are more these days like um, wedding organizers. Yes. Like an event organizer. They're like, right, get these people what they need over here, get these people, like, let's set everything out. If you are any kind of creative influence on a project, you're doing it bef like before the shooting Way starts. Before, yeah, once shooting starts, that's a well-oiled machine, isn't it? And I think he's, he put it as well, where if you're making creative decisions mid-shooting, that's a bad thing. Like, yeah. you don't want to have to get to that point. If you do, that's, you know, crunch time. You're like, right, let's figure this out. And you kind of have to be creative on the spot. But otherwise, you don't want that. You don't want, as, a, as an event organizer, you don't want to be like, let's creatively solve this problem because it's happening right now. It's, <laughs> we're, we're experiencing the problem in real time. Like, so yeah, that's, I don't, all I'm saying is, I, I think highly of you in a lot of ways, but I don't think you could make a film for 60 million. If someone would like to, as an experiment. Give, give you 60 million. I will take a sabbatical from work. I think, I don't know what the maximum sabbatical I'm allowed to take is. I'm making a film. 
I have like six months off. Yeah, no, no, no. So if somebody who has that amount of money would like to do an experiment to just let an idiot who's never written, directed, or produced anything more than a YouTube video, and not very good ones at that, <laughs> yeah. um, a £60 million budget to make a feature-length film, I'm up for it, and we can make a really banging Netflix documentary <laughs> out of me fucking it up. And if you are listening and you do have that kind of budget disposable uh, income, uh, check out our NordVPN link. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I was watching some Action Bronson videos today and he was doing ad reads for Manscaped and I was yep. like, brah. <laughs> that's, that's the next step. That's how you know you've made it. <laughs> but One he's day. been making really popular shit for like 10 years and he's like, oh, I'll just do some Manscaped ads. Uh, excuse me, our short is in the thousands on uh, YouTube oh, TikTok. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> upper echelons. How is his short still? <laughs> if you'd like to send us an email comicliterate gmail.com we make tiktoks we make youtube shorts you can find them it's the same name as the podcast that you're listening to and stuff thanks for listening and what else do we want uh we want reviews on all the podcasts oh, on any platform yeah, that you that use thing, that thing yeah th- thank you we're gonna get you a printed out laminar someday no that you wear around your neck structure <laughs> you know how i feel about structure goodbye thank you goodbye <laughs>